being the driver of my business, I need to know this information. And it is one area that I learned from my very first mentor, my past business partner. They all said to me, you need to know your finances. Even if you do have someone else reconciling for you, there needs to be some sort of time aside in your business where you're still looking at these numbers. And this is why we have to have some measure of control and at least understanding about our finances. There's a couple of things there that we really need to track. One of obviously is our financial numbers, but also there's a second set of numbers. If we manage our marketing and sales numbers, that's what drives the profitability of our business. Welcome to the Influence by Design podcast. I'm Samantha Riley, authority positioning strategist for coaches and experts. If you're ready to build a business that gives you more than just a caffeine addiction and you dream of making more money, having more time and having the freedom to be living your best life, then you're in the right place. It's time to level up. Welcome to today's episode of Influence by Design. I'm your Thursday co-host, Samantha Riley, joined by the, I was going to say the dapper Tim Hyde, but I don't know that you're looking that dapper. You're looking rugged up. I am rugged by, up. By the rugged up Tim Hyde. <laughs> I've got a cold, I've got a head cold at the moment, right? that, you know, nondescript vi- you know, virus that makes you feel horrible and cough and spluttery and runny nose and, and all that sort of stuff. It makes you sound like you've got a, you know, croaky sex line voice or something like that. <laughs> Oh dear! Well, thank you for I'm, I'm for joining children. us. Children, I'm, I'm blaming those virus-creating machines. You know, children. They they do right. They really do. <laughs> well, let's get this one knocked out of the path so you can wrap yourself up in a warm blankie yeah. for the rest of the afternoon. And blankie, I wish. <laughs> uh, today we're going to be talking about understanding your numbers. Which numbers you need to pay attention to? Because I think a lot of people say, you know. You need to know your numbers. And that sounds really great, but you may as well say that in Japanese if you don't know what numbers you need to know, right? It's just one of those generic sort of throw out these terms. Oh, you need to know what your numbers are. Okay, what does that actually mean? What what numbers are you talking about? What numbers should I know and that sort of stuff? I reckon one of those things in business, Sam, is is that, you know, fundamentally we're running a financial operation. And it scares me, I must admit, it really scares me when I come across business owners who do not have a fundamental understanding of what their business is doing financially mm-hmm. and have some measure of control over that. Mm-hmm. And it oh, happens and that very often. last little piece that you said actually gives me a pang of anxiety. <laughs> so let's not go there. Let's get... <laughs> Clarity. We're not going to go super deep today, but we are going to talk about the kinds of numbers that you do need to know and that you do need to be, I guess, recording and paying attention to because as Peter Drucker said, what gets measured gets managed. And that means that if we don't know what's happening, we can't improve on that. Look at you with your quotes. Well, you know, I learned from this guy called Tim Hyde that pulls out quotes at the drop of a hat. I was like, yeah, let's just pull out a quote. <laughs> God, it's magic. I, don't know, I don't know how they got in there, but they're pretty good. Yeah. I think that's the thing, right? You know, again, as I, as I mentioned, running a business is largely a, running a financial operation. And if that's not steered well, if that's not managed well, what you're going to find yourself is in a whole world of hurt and pain. And let me tell you, if you haven't done it yet, Getting to that point the night before payroll is due and not having enough money in your bank account to pay payroll 
is one of the worst feelings in the world. I've been there and it is not nice. Um, yeah. And this is why we have to have some measure of control and at least understanding about our finances. Okay. I'd be running a business is a financial enterprise. It's an operation that allows you to pay you as the business owner what it is you need to know. And I think there's a couple of things there that we really need to track. One of obviously is our financial numbers, right? Are we making a profit? Where is all the money going to, et cetera? Where's it coming from? But also I think there's a second set of numbers that, you know, just echoing Peter's wise words. If we manage our marketing and sales numbers, right? If we measure those, we manage those. And that's what drives the profitability of our business. Absolutely. So you just mentioned, you know, knowing your financial numbers, you know, what's coming in, what's going out, where are you spending? I think it's really important and we're not going to dive into this super deep, but just as a basis, I think it's really important to have some sort of financial software so that you can pay attention to this. I don't know what you use, Tim, but we use Zero in our business and we're a zero shop as well. I know QuickBooks yep. is super popular in the US as well. Having that platform allows you to put things into buckets consistently. Mm-hmm. If mm. you put things into different buckets, it gets very confusing. But it does mean you can start to look at your phone bill every single month and go, well, is my phone bill going up or down? Mm. And if my phone bill is going way up and my revenue is not going up, well, maybe what's happening? Mm. I think one of the biggest ones, Sam, and I know your bank account must be absolutely crazy with the number of staff that you've got and transactions that you make. We were having a conversation about Stripe chargebacks and all sorts of stuff. Um, <laughs> and but, you know, you very quickly get to, you know, get beyond five or 10 transactions a month in your bank account. You're, oh, you're my goodness. Be, We've got hundreds. <laughs> hundred, you're going to be yeah. literally in the hundreds of transactions per month and try to manage that off your, you know, your bank statement. Not a good idea, right? And yeah. not easy to do. You mm. very quickly find that you've got transactions that you're spending, maybe for subscriptions that you're not using, or you'll have a chargeback from clients you didn't realize. Or, you know, all those sorts of things. And a financial software is set up, like QuickBooks and Zero, is set up for you to manage. Oh my God, I can't believe I left out MyOB. All those MyOB people mm. out there must be fuming at me. Fresh books, whatever this financial software that you're using, allows you to put those transactions into buckets quickly and easily. Mm-hmm. And I mean, they're really cool now because there's so much AI involved with them as well mm-hmm. that if you've coded something against, you know, a subscription or an account previously, it's very easy for you to look at them and go, that goes there, that goes there, that goes there. Mm-hmm. It gives you a lot more control. Yeah, totally. What it is you're spending. Now, I just want to say something here because I often talk about on this podcast with my clients about not doing work that's not in your zone of genius and you know delegating. This is actually one part of my business that A, I don't believe is in my zone of genius and B, I don't delegate. So this is one area that I actually go against what I talk about. The reason I reconcile my own accounts is because I want to be able to follow at all times what's going on. And I think that being the driver of my business, I need to know this information. And it is one area that I learned from my very first mentor, my past business partner. They all said to me, you need to know your finances. So they all drilled into me right from day one. This is probably something that even if you do have someone else reconciling for you, there needs to be some sort of time aside in your business where you're still looking at these numbers. You do need to know them. Do not delegate 
this area of your business so much that you don't know what's going on. It can be a very dangerous place to be. Yeah. How often do you look at yours? Almost every day. We reconcile weekly, but I will look. And again, this is something my accountant said to me a few years ago, is you should be able to tell me what's in your account on a daily basis. And from that point, it is something that I've always done. Because I don't know about you, Tim, but I don't like having nasty surprises. No, no, it is that thing, right? You never want the the tax department or the IRS sort of breathing down your neck and saying, hey, what were these transactions for? Yeah. Right? Because ultimately you're responsible, right? You know, when you run a business, you are the ultimate person who's responsible for that particular sort of business. And not knowing it, you know, can get you in a world of hurt and a world of pain. I actually reconcile my accounts probably every two to three days now. Mm-hmm. And the lesson for me in that was probably from a couple of years ago when I did outsource it to a bookkeeper, and I will do that again. Mm-hmm. But my bookkeeper handed off off to one of her junior staff, and the accounts weren't getting reconciled. They're probably reconciled every forty five days, mm-hmm. right? and most of the transactions are fine. But every so often, they would come back with a transaction saying, "Well, what's this yeah. ninety dollar transaction or this two hundred dollar transaction?" And you can't remember, can you? <laughs> got no idea what I spent that on. You know? Yeah, yeah. I can't. And no clue at all. And when, as soon as you get into that position, you have to wear that as an owner drawing. You can't put that against your business because you've that's got no exactly right. For it, right. And if it's owner drawing, well, it means all the perks, all the tax benefits are all gone. <laughs> we're all gone, right? For something that you don't even know what it is. And I think that can get you know when you're sort of reconciling regularly and having that financial conversation with your accountant or with your business coach or whoever is is doing that, you can start to say, well, this is how you could be managing your money better to make more money from your business, okay? Mm -hmm. We can't get away from the fact that a business is there, is a vehicle to create profit for our lifestyle. And we've Mm -hmm. used both as well. It's not just there for us to turn up if we go to work and not make any money. Yeah, exactly. So so that's really the foundations. That's not what we're going to talk about in this episode. We're going to talk about the basic numbers you need to be paying attention to in your sales pipeline. I think the first thing, and I funny, I can't believe I didn't even put this on the list, Tim, because the first thing that we should be really paying attention to are our opt-ins or, you know, our original people that are coming into our world. So for the marketing that we're putting out in the world, who is opting into our database? Or if you are a different business that doesn't follow those, how do people very first come into your world? Yeah, I would agree with that. I think there's there's lots of vanity metrics in social media, particularly. Slumber mm-hmm. right? engagements, number of shares, likes, comments, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But let's not forget the goal of that initial sort of awareness marketing is to get people to do a thing. And mm-hmm. the thing we want them to do is to raise their hand. Mm-hmm. Even if it's a billboard on the side of the highway, right? it's an awareness tool to get people to do something, just call the number, visit your web whatever it happens to be, thank you, dog, (laughs) is to do something, okay? And that is to get people to raise their hand. And in digital marketing parlance, that raise their hand is to opt in for a thing that you are offering them. And that's probably one of the first important, most important metrics. How much money do I spend to get that opt-in? Yeah. So that's the first thing. Second thing is appointments or calls booked or whatever that next part of your sales cycle or marketing cycle looks like pipeline, however you want to say it. How many people are going from, I've raised my hand to now I'm going to have a conversation with you? I agree with this one as well. And this is the strength of your 
email marketing or the your nurture process. When someone says I'm interested or I'm curious, probably the first one, how many people are actually prepared to actually take that next step to go, I'm serious about getting this problem that I have mm-hmm. solved by you? Totally. Now, once we've got those people booked, we need to pay attention or we need to record what the show up rates are. I would love to say that 100% of the people that book calls with me turn up, but unfortunately that isn't the case. So we need to put things in place to make sure that the people that show up is as high as or as close as possible to the people that book. So we need to record our show up rates because if we see these taking a dip, then we know that something needs to change in our pipeline. Absolutely. Next one after that for me is conversion rate. Uh-huh. Now, if you for a moment think that you are closing 90% or more of your leads that come in, A, please share us a secret and then B, show us the numbers. Yeah. Those yeah, the actual hard <laughs> numbers. The actual hard <laughs> numbers. Because it's easy to close 100% of people who buy from you. Uh-huh. Okay. It's not easy to close 100% of people you actually, you know, had touch base with because it's not, you know, that's not realistic. Even good salespeople who are highly skilled are only going to close at 30 to 40%. Uh-huh. Now, it's the job of marketing to get people as warm as possible before they get to your sales process so that you can have the best chance of closing them. But let's be realistic. Just because they've got to that point doesn't mean they're the right fit uh-huh. either. Uh-huh. So you saying no to a couple of those people when you're at 90%. Well, it needs to be a right fit both ways, right? It may not be a right fit for them to work with you, but it also may not be a right fit for you to work with them. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So conversion rate, again, something we need to measure so that we know what, you know, what our numbers are around that and go, look, every time I get someone opt-in, you know, what's the chance of getting to this point so that I can actually make money, right? Mm -hmm. We can get an estimate of what it is, which takes us on to our next one, average customer value. Mm-hmm. Now, we were having a conversation offline, Sam, about what would you spend to <laughs> acquire quite a client? Well, this really depends on what it is that I'm selling because if I'm selling a $97 program, my cost, uh, I don't really want to spend $150 to acquire them. I also know it's not reasonable to spend $0.25 cents to acquire them. So this is something that you need to be really, really careful about and you and I were talking because, you know, if let's just say, for example, you've got a $50,000 program, how much would you spend to acquire that client? Now, if you say $10, I'm going to say good luck to you for a start, but it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility for spending $300, $400, $500, even $1,000 to acquire a customer that was going to spend $50,000 with you. Yeah, I think this is where we need to kind of really understand a calculated metric as well, which is cost of acquisition. Right? What does it cost? Mm-hmm. Not just what our average customer value is. What does it cost to acquire them? What does it cost to deliver that customer? What does it cost to run our business and how much profit do we make? Right? I think for me, if I was to look at this, I would be happy to spend all of my cost of acquisition right? mm-hmm. and all of my profit, or just about all of my profit to acquire a customer, but I'd be very cautious about spending more than those two numbers, noting that I could potentially make more money from that person down the track. But I certainly wouldn't want to be spending more than what it cost me to deliver to that customer. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to spend more than what it really, right? What it cost me to run my business in the process of delivering to that customer as well. Mm-hmm. I think we need to be really careful in understanding those buckets of where it is. And this is where your financial software can help. Mm-hmm. Right? 
what does it cost you to run your business every month? That much, all right? Divide that by the number of customers you have, okay? Yeah. But, you know, at a very basic level, if you think about those four buckets, cost of acquiring them, and that's your time as well, all right? Don't forget that totally. your time has a cost attached. What does it cost you to deliver it? And that's time and or resources. If you're running a course, and fantastic. Staff. Cost of delivery is lower. If you're doing consulting and workshops, your cost of delivery is higher. Right, Sam, I know you've got a couple of new coaches in your team. Mm-hmm. Right, it's not you. Those coaches have a cost to deliver that program. Mm-hmm. You've got all your back-end staff, all your subscriptions, your management, your insurances, etc. Right, That costs you money to run. And then you've got the bit that you get to take out, which is your profit. Totally. So understanding those buckets allows us to make really informed decisions about what we're prepared to spend to get that customer into the business in the first place in order to deliver the profit that we want to create from them. Totally. Now, we talked before about using financial software to pay attention to everything, but I record, and I'm interested to hear how you do this, Tim, I just record these numbers actually in a Google Sheet. My opt-ins, my calls booked, just a Google Sheet. I don't have anything fancy. I don't even know if there is anything fancy available. I'm sure there is somewhere, but I just want to see the numbers. I'm just happy yeah. with the Google Sheets and just seeing the numbers there. There are fancy things you can do. <laughs> but I think there's, yeah, and certainly you can do a lot of automation, passing data back and forth between systems, right? You know, this is my space and we do this occasionally for clients. But I think there's actually real benefit, you know, having that scorecard in an Excel or a Google Sheet that talks about, well, what was my revenue this week? Well, how many leads did I generate this week? Because if you see your leads going up or down, well, that, you know, has a, that's a, a lead indicator for potentially future revenue. So if you're not, you know, if you see your lead dropping from 50 to 40 to 30 to 20, right, at some point down the track, you'll see a, a dip in revenue as well. Totally. Okay. Or everything else being the same. Mm-hmm. You, If you're tracking your conversion rate each week and your average deal size, okay, well, you know, you'll see if I see my conversion rate dropping down, well, I'm going to see next week I'm going to see cash collected start mm-hmm. to drop as well. If you see it go the other way, cash collected should be going up. And if it's not, there's something else at play, right? So I actually think there's real benefit in using a Google or you know, Excel spreadsheet and manually going to look at those that data to put into that spreadsheet on a regular basis. I don't think just I, I manually do manually looking, but manually entering it gives you some sort of accountability. There's just something about having to put the number in yourself gives you accountability to what those numbers are. Yeah, it's good. And, it's, and I, um, I don't know if you do it. Sam, I know you report it to your, some of your team and you and Leon talk about it, but I actually report that back to my team each week, every every yeah. every team week meeting we have. We go, this is where we're at, team. Yeah, nice. We don't at this point. I don't know whether that'll change in the future. I think that's very, very personal. I know that in past businesses I have, and depending on your team, it can work in your favor or not. At the moment, we don't. But yeah, like I said, I don't know whether we will in the future. Yeah, that's a few extra metrics, but I'm curious to know if you had to pick four or five mm-hmm. and to get people started if you're not doing yep. what, what would be your five metrics that you would track every week? Every week, it would be calls booked, definitely. It would be conversion rate, definitely. It would be average spend, definitely, which we actually did. Yeah, the average customer value, average spend. I mean, they would be my three and probably their lifetime value as well. So, you know, are we taking $5,000 for six weeks or are we taking $1,000 a month for 
you know, and they're likely to stay with a program for three years. That'll make a big difference on what my marketing spend could be. I'm interested in yours. Yeah, for me, I would probably add opt-ins. Mm-hmm. Because opt-ins to me a an indication of what I'm doing. If I'm doing stuff and not getting opt-ins, I'm doing the wrong stuff. Yep. First and first and foremost, okay. If I'm not getting people to raise their hand, my content or what I'm putting out there into the market is not the right content. Hundred mm-hmm. percent. That's my first one. Number of appointments I would do. Number of sort of pitches or can, you know presentations is probably another one that I would do. And that's the only thing I can extrapolate sharp rate from that. And then the other one I would do is top line cash collected. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now obviously I can get average customer value and, and cost of acquisition from that, but it's cash collected from me. Yeah. How many did I make? Hundred percent. I mean, at the end of the day, like you said, it's almost the only thing that matters. Because that is why we're running our business, is to get that cash in the bank. Yeah. I've done this with a couple of customers as well. Again, just having a really clear idea of what do I need to make per minimum, per week, right, or per month, whatever the number is, to run my business and make a profit. And just having that number stuck somewhere in your business and create a six-month average, right, because we know it goes up and down month to month. But work out what it costs you to run your business and then put that number somewhere and look at it every single day. Mm-hmm. And I guarantee you again, what gets measured gets managed and you'll drive Absolutely. Absolutely. Guys, thanks for joining us for today's episode. Lots of absolute bombshells. Sam, thank you for sharing some of the insights and what you measure in your business. We'd love to hear from you, dear listener, what you measure, if you measure, how often you measure, and maybe even what financial software or tips and tricks that you use in your business as well. Maybe we can share that in a future episode. Sam, awesome conversation again today. And as always, wonderful to share the microphone with you. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you next Tuesday for another episode of Influence by Design. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Influence by Design podcast. If you want more, head over to influencebydesignpodcast.com for the show notes and links to today's gifts and sponsors. And if you're looking to connect with other experts who are growing and scaling their business too, join us in the Coaches, Thought Leaders and Changemakers community on Facebook. The links are waiting for you over at influencebydesignpodcast.com.